for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's episode 135 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, Chuck Dixon returns to talk about his current projects, of which he's got many. He discusses Alien Legion, Uncivil War, a new miniseries from Titan Comics from the UK. He also talks about Winter World, an ongoing series from IDW, and talks about a series of novels he's got as well. He's a busy guy. If you'd like to learn more about what he's up to, go to Dixonverse.net. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Chuck Dixon, one of my very favorite writers, has written many good bat things, and G.I. Joe, and now has three, count them, three big things coming out right now. So how are you doing today, Chuck? Uh, very good, very good. Good, it's good to see your product coming out, uh, lots of it, uh, once again, because uh, there was a little bit of a dry spell there where uh, Airboy seemed to be pretty much what you were working on. But uh, now there's all kinds of good things, including let's, the thing we should start with, which is Alien Legion. And do you want to talk a little bit about how you got involved with Alien Legion? First of all, I want to say, though, that this is perfect for you because of your G.I. Joe background. Yeah, it's, it's a good fit now. for me. It always mm-hmm. has been. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved with Alien Legion? Well, uh, back in the day, they were going to relaunch Alien Legion. They, they had done one run at Epic, and they were going to do another run. And um, Archie Goodwin suggested that I be a, a good writer to bring on board. And uh, Carl Potts took a look at my work and you know, obviously agreed. So uh, they brought me on board, and it all meshed really well. Uh, I liked working with Carl. I liked working with Larry Stroman. And uh, we took it from there, and uh, you know, it's kind of been a, a team uh, in, in waiting all these years mm-hmm. to get back to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because, you know, this is under the uh, comics company that we're not used to dealing with here in the States, and that's uh, Titan Comics, right? This is out of the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, it, obviously it's a good fit for them with uh, mm-hmm. all the 2000 AD characters and all that. Alien Legion just mm-hmm. sort of fits right into the, into the uh, catalog there. Mm-hmm, which is really cool. Now, the question is for you, though. Did, did you obviously you knew about the the, uh, the 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 characters for quite a long time and 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 the franchise for a while? Did uh, how did this happen? Now that after all these years that they they sought you back out again to do on Civil War. Well, uh, Carl is just you know um, he's co-creator with Frank Scirocco of Alien Legion, and he's just a tireless uh, <laughs> tireless. Um, you know, salesman uh, for Alien mm-hmm. Legion, trying to trying to keep the comic going, trying to uh, sell it into other uh, mediums, and um, mm-hmm. you know he got uh, he got Titan interested, and 
Put the team back together. Put the band back together, as it were. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Now, he's listed as Inks and Soul on the book. Yeah. <laughs> what is, now, obviously, he's going to do the Inks. What is the Soul part? Is this basically, like you are just mentioning, that he's, he's somebody who's so involved and so uh, uh, interested in promoting the, 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 the franchise that he gets the title of a Soul for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I, I refer to Carl as the, as the mother of the Alien Legion. <laughs> He's, oh, <laughs> he's he's looked after the franchise for so many years, and you know he he created it. He came up with the idea, and uh, I I always bow to his judgment because I'm I'm always stunned at how much he lets me get away with uh, basically his baby. But um, you know he 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 came up with the basic plot line for this miniseries and guidelines and suggestions, and then and then let Larry and I go crazy. <laughs> It's funny because it's called Uncivil War, of course, which is a hint back to the Civil War of the States. Um, and I'm kind of fascinated, though. There's one thing, of course, you've got the the, the, the aggressive Harkalons are back. And those were always kind of the nasties of the Alien Legion. But we've got a little twist that I didn't expect. Uh, did Carl or you come up with the idea of having something of religious Harkalons? Um, I, I know that, that we... Both wanted to start with the Harkalons uh, Empire hegemony having internal troubles because we never really, we re- really never really got into who the Harkalons were. We knew they were vicious and nasty, but we didn't know uh, how unified they were. Now we find out that they're not terribly unified. And um, the uh, I'm not sure whose idea it was that there be a religious order uh, that became the focus of the story. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's it was a big surprise to me because this is the last thing I kind of thought that the Harkalons would be would be something religious, because basically in the past they've just been savages. You know, they've they've just kind of killed whoever they they'd gotten in their way, and to find out that they had some kind of religious roots to me was a big surprise. And of course, I love a good surprise with that. So I I should have expected that you guys were going to come up with something that was going to be was going to put a twist on them that we weren't going to just. Uh, know everything about them at this point, so I kind of like that. Uh, and considering this is a, a mini series, we're, we're probably going to see some evolution with them based on what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There's more surprises ahead. Of, you know, uh, those people and their place in Harkalon society. But yeah, I mean, we want to do um, fill out. You know, Harkalon culture, and, and part of that would would it be that they would have a theocracy of some kind or, or several different theocracies. Mm-hmm. This isn't kind of commenting on anything going on today, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not meant to. I mean, you just sort of veer into things. I mean, we can't help write about the world we live in, but you know, you can project on it whatever you want to project. But there's no, there's no message here. Mm-hmm. So this is just you're just telling a tale. That, but I'm sure there's there's some applications. There's some. Uh, things that'll happen that we can relate to, or that that we just might find somewhat related to what we're going through today. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, when when we, you know, when we started this, we didn't had no idea that at the time it came out that you know basically Iraq would be descending at the civil war. I mean, mm-hmm. that's uh, and mm-hmm. we're seeing that all across the Middle East. We didn't really have that. We didn't we didn't foresee that. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things that happened. It comes. It's coming out at this time. Well, it couldn't be better timing for you because, you know, it, while we're concerned about civil wars and stuff going on, of course, you've got the Ukraine going on over there and they're having their own troubles. So this business of civil war is something that we, we're pretty used to now. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, you know, since um, Yugoslavia broke up, we've we've seen one after another. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of fun to me to see. Uh, it, it, I always love it when real life sort of sh- shadows or, or uh, copies something that's going on in a comic. So my <laughs> hope is that this is going to really help the book sell because I, I was really interested because you know this from my understanding this is this the first Titan book that's hit the states? Are, are there been Doctor Who's? I just don't remember. Do, do you no, know that? Uh, I don't think so. I think I think Titan books are available here. Mm-hmm. But as imports, basically. I, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a book that's actually available for distribution and, and created for distribution in the United States. Um, yeah, they don't, because the IDW has the Doctor Who license here in the States. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a Judge Dredd license, for that matter. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think this is, this, this, as far as I know, this is a first. Wow, uh, that's kind of a landmark. To, it, it, from what I've seen, too, it's selling well, because the bookstore that I was at last week when it came out, they had a few left, but they said they did order it pretty well. Wow. So you know, that's a good sign to see, you know, especially when you've got an, an unknown company and you've got a, a franchise that hasn't been around in a while. To see them order a, a good number of books, that's kind of a nice uh, vote of confidence in, in you and Alien Legion, I think. It's always good to hear. <laughs> so, talk to me a little bit about too about the characters in the Legion because I've always liked Saragar, the guy who's he's blue skinned and he's the leader and he's, he doesn't actually have legs. He he kind of goes around like a snake part on the back. He's always my favorite. But then there's Jugger Gim, uh, Grimrod Grimod. I always pronounce his name wrong, but he's green skinned and he's kind of like he's the hard nosed one of the bunch. You know, did you have a, any choice in these uh, characters? Did you just want to keep using the ones that were there before? Were you introducing anybody new that we might uh, not expect? I've, I've brought back a few characters, um, you know, but, you know, Grimrod, Sargar, uh, Tori Montrock, uh, they were all part of the series when I, when I came on board. But, you know, I've added characters like uh, the Ick brothers, the little armadillo guys that uh, <laughs> can't seem to stay away from Jugger. And um, uh, I think Tonk was a creation of mine, and uh, that that big nasty sergeant who's always bossing Jugger around. He was a creation of mine, uh, you know. Because you know, I, I started adding less humanoid characters to the cast. Uh, I, I remember the like the second year we were Larry and I were on the book. <clears throat> Larry said that he had he drew a scene where all of the uh, Force Nomad guys were getting on a ship and they were going up a ramp in silhouette. And he realized that just by their silhouettes, how much more alien Alien Legion was now. <laughs> so I came up with um, Spellek, who's basically like a gelatin type character. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we we kind of stretched the boundaries there. But mm-hmm. but I like to keep the main core cast that 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 I inherited in the book as well because I mean, well the readers expect them and they like them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually a good idea to have more aliens in the Alien Legion, seems to me. Uh, if it's called the Alien Legion, then why not have these people you know, that, that are much more different than what we're used to seeing in a comic? And that's one of the things I like about uh, Alien Legion a lot. And, of course, one of the fun things that are the most fun is that you all have your own language, uh, almost. You, you know, you call people Bospor uh, as a derogatory term. There's a whole bunch of other terms that are used. That it, 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 I, I find it fascinating at the end of the book you have a, a like a dictionary <laughs> so in case people don't exactly know what all these words mean they can go back there and find out what they mean is that kind of fun is that because a lot of the time science fiction people when, when you, let's say star trek or doctor who they all speak the same english that we do and i can't imagine that an alien culture or or this kind of a group would speak english the way that we do and so i i actually kind of like that thing that part of it 
Yeah, I mean, you want to give your characters a different voice, but in the case of Alien Legion, in a lot of cases, they have an entirely different patois. I mean, it's still English. You can understand it in context, even though you don't understand some of the individual words. Um, the dialogue in the book is, is, you know, probably the most fun of anything, is to um, <laughs> give them their own nomenclature, their own terminology that's unique to the Alien Legion, because I, I think that's part of the fun of science fiction. Um <laughs> You know, I, I don't think there's anybody who who grew up in the '70s who doesn't actually say "frack" once in a while. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's just part of the fun of and, and making the characters distinct from one another. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I, I always think that in your writing, and we'll get to this other stuff, and when we get to Winterworld and, and other stuff, is that you have this ability to write characters in an action story that we can tell them apart. And they, they clearly have different personalities and different characters. I really like that because not everybody can do that, got to be honest with you. And you handle that extremely well, I think. Well, thank you. Is it, do you how do you do that? Do you flesh them out in your head? Do you write them down? How do you actually make the characters you know, breathe that way? Well, I always say I, 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 I'm not the kind of guy – I don't start with the playmate profile, you know, <laughs> uh, you know Jugger Grimrod. <laughs> enjoys long walks in the rain and, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't let people who aren't cool. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't start with that. I sort of let their actions inform me. I, I start from a basis because, you know, I want to be surprised along with the reader and, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to write a character where I know what they're going to do in every situation. I want to be able to throw a situation at them and go, well, what, what honestly would they do here? Would they run away? Would they fight? Would they finagle away? Uh, what would they do here? And um, to me, it keeps it kind of fresh. And mm-hmm. and uh, so we're discovering things about the characters as we, we go along. So, yeah, it's just a general biography in my head. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Because to me, you know, like I said, you, you make those characters live. You know, and I have to give also credit to yeah, Mr. Stroman and his art too, because the, the the marriage of your script and his art makes these people really live to me. And you know, you feel like you're there with them, struggling to get through this stuff. And it, it's I just like the way that you guys are doing it. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, Larry's you know he's he he's a really unconventional storyteller. I never know what these pages are going to look like. I usually picture pages in my head when I'm writing. I don't even bother with Larry because it, it's all good and it's solid and it's easy to follow. But I don't know how he gets there. <laughs> but but it's really it's he doesn't owe anything to anybody else. He he is a unique guy. Well, that's good. I mean, isn't, yeah. that's perfect for Alien Legion. Seems to me because Alien Legion is that kind of story. Yeah, it has you know. entirely its own look. And its own feel, yeah. it seems to me, because when when these characters are going out and doing things, we get a sense of what they're going to do. But because they're aliens, we don't necessarily know how they're going to react in every situation. And I think your writing and his artwork are making them a lot more fun to read and to follow them. And, and to think that this franchise has been around as long as it has, and for you guys to breathe this kind of life into it and to make this uh, Alien Legion come back again, to me, I, I, I th- think that there are a lot of wonderful stories that have haven't yet been told, and to see you guys doing this with Alien Legion to me is a real, uh, or, uh, it's something that's really, I think that you guys should be congratulated for, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in comics that's not all the best, but you guys are, are making this stuff, you know, and making these characters, who a lot of people thought were pretty much done with, apparently, when, when they stopped printing them, you're making them breathe again, and I kind of, I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, as, as far as now, this is a, a mini series. From my understanding, it's four issues, right? Right. 
And uh, do you have any plans for Alien Legion after this? Well, I mean, if this does well, I mean, this is the nature of comics now. You, you dip your toe in the water and see how the readers react. And uh, if if they want more, I'm here to give them more because i got more story ideas. I have more concepts I want to explore. I always have. I never gave up on Alien Legion. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it, you know, it's kind of unique. Uh, I don't do any other military science fiction stuff. So mm-hmm. when, when I see a, a concept I'd like to use, it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this for Alien Legion someday. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm ready to come back if, if um, you know, this continues to be successful as it looks like it's going to be. Well, I, I, as I said, when I, the bookstore that I was at, they were, seemed to be going like crazy, and you know, I was glad to get one. And I, to me, I, I, I'd love to see Alien Legion come back. I'd like, you know, as you talked about, Carl wanting to go into other mediums with it, maybe going making a movie or TV show with it. I could easily see this be animated or, or into a film, especially you know, you got dare I say it, Guardians of the Galaxy going on right now, coming up pretty soon. Yeah. And Alien Legion, to me, well, you know, if that does well, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, by Hollywood logic, I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy looks to me like it's going to be an enormous hit. And if it is, they're going to be looking around for something else like it. And I can't think of anything else quite like it as much as Alien Legion is quite like it. <laughs> and yet so different. You know, there, there, yeah, there, there's yeah. so many differences between the characters and the situation. And, but yet you're right. There's a lot of similarities in the fact that it's science fiction and it's kind of warlike and that, that there's a lot of things going on in the galaxy that not necessarily – yeah, human centric, which I really like. I think right, that's great. Right. Yeah, I mean, both franchises share an enormous ensemble cast of aliens. So, mm-hmm. coolness. I, I see. I, I think that too often, you know, like if you watch sci-fi, the the the, cha- the cable channel in the United States, everything's Earth based. You know, there's nothing going on anywhere else in the galaxy. And to me, with Alien Legion, it's feeding that need for me to see something that's not necessarily. Earth are human centric, so I, I really like that about it, and I, I, I'm encouraging people to, to look into it. If you don't want to necessarily see the same old stuff, read this book. Well, so, that's, 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 that's the best I can expect. <laughs> Great recommendation. <laughs> well, that's to me, I. I Science fiction needs to be more like Alien Legion, it seems like, instead of, you know, Warehouse 13 is fine, uh, Eureka was great, all those things are great fun, but, you know, Farscape was one of the ones that I really enjoyed because it was so alien. Yeah, yeah. And we don't see much of that anymore, but the Alien Legion to me is, is scratching that itch for me, and I'm so glad you guys are doing it, I really am. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, I mean, like, uh, to me... Uh, the first 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi, it's like, this is magic. There's there's hardly a human to be seen. Uh, it's all aliens. It's all craziness. And uh, to me, that's you know that's the sense of wonder right there. Well, now the first issue is out. Is It's going to be coming out monthly or bi-monthly? How's it going to be coming out? Yeah, it's monthly. Month. So. so we should be seeing that one. Uh, since it's now July, we should be seeing that coming up very soon, but before the end of the month then. So looking, looking forward to that. Can't wait to see that. But while I've got you, there's at least there's two other projects at least that we should be uh, discussing, because there's another project now. This time it's your project that's coming back, and that's Winter World. Right. I, a couple of years ago, when the hardcover came out of Winter World and they reprinted the original ones, when when was the original Winter World miniseries done? '89 uh, at Eclipse was the original Winter World, and then Winter Sea was a project done for Epic that never saw publication until the mm-hmm. hardcover came out. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I like it quite a bit because, you know, talk about different. This isn't much different from Alien Legion. Alien Legion, you've got all this technology and all these wonderful things going on. When you get to Winter World, you're on what, what seems to be a frozen Earth with a couple of human characters. I, I like that one of them is, is his name's Scully. I just think that's kind of funny to me because, you know, in, in the... Uh, uh, in in X Files, of course, Mulder and Scully came along, but this is so total. There's a totally different character. This is the guy, right, right, which I find funny. Now, do you want to talk a little bit about how how you came up with Winter World in the beginning? Well, um, Winter World came about when I was um, I was meeting with a lot of artists from Argentina who were up in the United States doing work in comics. And uh, they would, uh, the Villagran brothers, uh, Ricardo and Enrique, they would bring up portfolios of other Argentines uh, mm-hmm. to show to editors. And in the portfolio, drawings by this guy named Jorge Zafino. Mm-hmm. And I was floored. And every mm-hmm. artist who saw them was floored. For some mm-hmm. reason, editors looked at his work and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I want to create something for this guy. And would he be interested? And then they they say, sure, me he would. He 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 really wanted to work in the United States. So um, for some reason, Winter World came to me. I said, it's got to be apocalyptic. It's got to be raw. It's got to be organic, and it's got to deal with climate and survival and a really nasty environment. So mm-hmm. came up with Winter World. Explained the characters to him. He did some promo drawings, which were marvelous. One of which mm-hmm. was the original cover of the first book, and mm-hmm. uh, Eclipse. They they bought it. You know, they mm-hmm. wanted to use it. So mm-hmm. now, the the reason we haven't seen Winter World again until now was was that because the, did you have the rights or did Eclipse own the rights? How did that end up? No, it it uh, the, the rights belong to Jorge and I. Uh, Jorge passed away a number of years ago, so oh. it's it's uh, it's myself and, and Jorge's uh, estate, his his, his mm-hmm. uh, widow and, and his son, and mm-hmm. um, we wanted to bring it back, um, but. We wanted to make sure it was done right. We wanted the right artists, and we wanted artists who were, you know, fans of Winter World. And and uh, Ted Adams at, at IDW and, and and the other people at IDW have been setting up deals uh, for ancillary rights for film, television, games, and uh, they they got involved with this deal with Xbox. And Xbox mm-hmm. was looking for new live entertainment, much like Netflix or, or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Winter World was the first thing Ted talked to them about, and, hmm. and they they love the idea, and so the time was right. Let's create a new Winter World ongoing, springing right mm-hmm. off of the old books, and um, we uh, we got Butch Geist for the first arc, which was mm-hmm. was, was quite a quite a trick to land. Uh, Butch and I love mm-hmm. working together, but you know mm-hmm. we, got, we worked it out with Butch's schedule, and mm-hmm. um, he was always a big fan of Winter World. The next arc is by uh, Tomas Giarello. Who is an Argentine? Whose mom translated my scripts for Jorge? <laughs> oh wow! So, so that's kind of in the family. Tomas is a huge, huge Jorge. He used to go to Jorge's studio and watch him work. You know, spend days oh, wow. there watching him work. So uh, this is a dream come true for him. So that's that's basically the way we're going with the book because the art is so important. Because mm-hmm. it's not because of the the raw nature of the material and the brutal nature of the material and the need to, for it to look organic and real. You, you know, you, there's only certain kinds of artists that really can capture it. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you answered a question that I had. This is an ongoing, you said. So th- this is yes. going to go on as, as long as the interest goes on there. So it, it sounds like the way that you're talking, you've already got two arcs set up. Oh, well, more than that. I've written the first year. I have the first... Oh. 
um, three arcs, and then there are a couple of single-issue stories by special guest artists. Uh, Tommy Lee Edwards is working on one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, we're committed. Uh, IDW and myself, we're committed to this because uh, once this becomes a uh, television event, as they're calling it, uh, we'll want as much material available for the readers as possible. I mean, you, you don't want to, you know, have all that publicity and all that exposure and just have one trade paperback to sell. So uh, we're going to try to produce, you know, uh, a good deal of material. We've got I, right now there are four different art teams working on the book. Wow. So. Wow. Very cool. That almost sounds like the Walking Dead kind of a setup. You know, with uh, what they're doing with Walking Dead is oftentimes they're following the book, and the good thing that you're doing is that you're actually giving them stories that they could use for this for the other mediums. Yeah, we want to. Yeah, I want to flesh out the universe because the first two books gave you a glimpse, but you know these characters because there is no mass communication or anything else. They don't, they don't know much. They they literally don't know what's beyond the horizon. So mm-hmm. I wanted to explore the world some more so that the um, the writers on the series would have. You know, grist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've got the two main characters. You've got Scully and you've got Wynn. And uh, I like the way that they with Wintersea is that they now they've gone from Wintersea and they're out looking for her for Wynn's mother, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, they're still on a search, you know, because um, from the start, the only thing Wynn remembers was that her parents could fly. They, they had a, 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 a flying machine of some kind, and that's the only memory she has. And occasionally they will spot aircraft, and which she assumes has to have something to do with her parents. So their long-term goal <clears throat> is to find her parents. Uh, Scully's long-term goal is to simply not be alone. Um, mm. He's been alone most of his life, and and everybody in this world has had a rough childhood, so that's not an excuse mm-hmm. for anything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but you know he's he's got somebody to care about, even though he he seems kind of gruff and. Like he'd rather not have her around. That's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting to me. You know, whenever there's these days in comics, we had Green Hornet and a female Cato, and we had uh, you know there seems to be like a male lead with a female sidekick, and the assumption is always that there's going to be mm, shall we say a romantic entanglement develop with this right. is you know and and. I, I, I personally, I'd rather not see that. I would much rather see them just be friends and be, you know, somebody that could go along. Uh, I, and I, I don't want to ask for any kind of spoilers, but uh, their relationship—are they going to grow together as friends? Are they going to? How's this going to? As they move forward, they're going to understand each other better. Well, I, I don't. I don't want there to be any romantic entanglement between the two. I, I, I pretty much, they're pretty open in the first issue about what their relationship is. Because I wanted to get that clear from the start. Because first of all, Wynn is approximately 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Scully is, I don't know. You know, he's, he's got a lot of mileage on him. I don't know how what age Scully is. He could be in mm-hmm. his 30s. He could be in his 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is no interest there. In fact, I mean, when we first meet Wynn, uh, she's being offered to Scully, you know, mm-hmm. basically uh, for sale. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the guy selling her have disguised her as an older woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's the first big reveal. Scully finds out that Wynn is, you know, basically a, um, an adolescent. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then he feels protective and, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much, he's protective of her. She's protective of him. It's very much a partnership, uh, because mm-hmm. she's a, in a lot of ways is a lot smarter than him because they're both <laughs> experienced. They, they've been through every 
horrible thing you can imagine in their own lives. Uh, even mm-hmm. though when is only 14, she's, she's lived like five lifetimes, you know, of constant mm-hmm. danger in this world where every moment is a fight for survival. So mm-hmm. she's like no newbie. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they're very much partners looking mm-hmm. out for one another. And um, like I said, she, she needs him to help find her parents. He needs her because he just needs someone else in his life. See, I, I, that gives me courage because I, I am so tired of the romantic entanglement business because it's, that's turned into a huge cliche. But to hear that these folks are going to work together and maybe get to understand each other and maybe actually, you know, as he goes on a journey to help her, maybe he'll find something, you know, himself as he gives himself to, to interact with somebody else and make somebody else's dreams come true. Yeah, there's, there's, well, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. But yeah, that stuff does enter into the stories coming up. So it's, it, it's, it, it, it's always messy because it's, it never, nothing ever goes right because it's a horrible, it's a horrible environment. It's a horrible, brutal place, and it's all deconstructed plot lines. I mean, nothing they ever plan to do goes well. So even, even their, uh, their human relationships go sideways. Well, I got a huge kick because the Winter World number one came out on the day when it was 90 degrees outside. <laughs> and, and I had to go out, and I, I was sitting, reading this, uh, this 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 thing about an ice world, basically, and and, and it actually kind of fit that it made me actually feel cooler on a ninety degree day to actually read this kind of stuff. So I kind of thought that was funny because normally I would expect a book about this kind of thing to come out in the winter, you know. But it did. The fact that it didn't, that it actually came out, you know, against type. I thought that was a smart move because it. it I like things that are variety and something different. And to me, Winter World was something different. And I, and I thought that was a great move for as far as IDW and you were concerned. Yeah, it's like an ice cream cone on a hot day. <laughs> you take, take a copy of Winter World and hold it on your forehead. It'll cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of funny to me because, uh, see, a good story, is, as long as the story's good and it's making good use of the setting, I don't particularly care whether it matches what's going on outside my window. <laughs> and to me, that's the thing about Winter World. It was this wonderful things. These things are going on. You, you've got interesting characters doing strange and wonderful things. That, and not to spoil anything, but they find a couple of really interesting things in their journey in this very first book and i i I would well i can't even i don't want to spoil it but uh, there's just such good things that that you don't expect and the unexpected is something that i treasure in comics and i think i think you're doing a great job as far as providing the unexpected well in the alien legion as well as and as winter world so i think that's great stuff yeah i i mean my goal with winter world is that you you like these characters and everything else, but you realize that sometimes they have to do things to survive. Uh, they have to make choices that are tough, and um, they generally don't hesitate. <laughs> yeah. And we're going in places. IDW, God bless everybody at IDW. They'll let me go places with this book that a lot of other companies would have blanched at. So you, you can't do that. So there's never been a question of uh, – because the, I believe the book is honest. I believe the tone of it is consistent. And, um, you know, they appreciate that. Great. Now, there's one sentence about the book that I, I wanted to bring up to you and get you to comment on. And in the, uh, the text about the book, it says, Follow Scully and Wynn from their icy home of Wintersea into a killing wasteland where the coldest place is the human heart. So here we are in this winter wasteland, and the, the human heart is actually the coldest place. I, that, to me, is, that, that's like literate kind of writing, which I enjoy. You don't see enough of that in comics, in my opinion. Is that, it, it, it almost sounds like that, that, that what's happening outside the, in the cold is not going to be as bad as what happens in the people's hearts 
So, and I'm, is that what you have in mind for the story? Yeah, well, I think if there's one consistent thing with every apocalyptic story, it's is that uh, running into people isn't always the best thing that can happen to you. Um, mm. You know, and we see it again and again in, in these stories. And Winter World is no different. Uh, mm. When you're in a survival subsistence-based society where you literally don't know where your next meal is coming from. Um, you know, you're not going to run into anybody that's feeling ter- terribly charitable. Uh, most mm-hmm. of the people are either going to want to use you, you know, eat you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's mm-hmm. it's it's just not a nice place. And um, and 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 you know, we see this in in real life situations where mm-hmm. you know, uh, normally civilized people are just driven to you know unspeakable acts to live mm-hmm. another day. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to use the Walking Dead comparison too much, but this, on some levels, it reminds me a little bit of Walking Dead because a lot of the times it's not the zombies that are the real threats; it's the uh, the human beings that they run into. And in, so, in this book, the the twist is it's not the winter world that's so bad; it's the 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 people that they run into along the way. Yeah, it's the it's the lack of any kind of social contract that you know the the brutal environment has created. And, I mean, what my editor said, you know. So he said something along those lines that this is sort of like Walking Dead, and I said, "Well, I'd rather say Walking Dead is something like this because Winter World <laughs> preceded Walking Dead, and, and, it, right. and this right. has always been the story with Winter World. You know, when they ran into more than two people, there was trouble, and 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 it and it, and it fits the Winter World setting, the barren landscape setting, because if you know anything about nomadic societies." Um, because of the large distances they travel and 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 the horizon being so far away, uh, um, they are distrustful of strangers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a common thread in in any story. If it's about the Inuit or about Arabs or mm-hmm. you know anything, anybody who lives in a barren, um, brutal landscape is always suspicious of others and have reason to. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wrote reviews of both Alien Legion number one and of uh, Winter World number one, and I gave them both high grades because they're both excellent comics. And, you know, the, this balance that you strike between character and action is, is, is shown very well in both of these. So I, I, I'm so glad that one is. I hope we get more of Alien Legion. I'd like to see more than just a miniseries. I'm really glad that Winter World, on the other hand, is an ongoing, and I really want that to last for a long time because there's a lot. I think that you can do with both of those books. I think they're great. Well, thank you. Now, let's move into, you mentioned something when we were talking about this interview that I really wasn't aware of, I have to say, and therefore I haven't had a chance to review or read them. You've actually got some novels out uh, under what's called Bad Times. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I, I, you know, I decided, I'm, I'm a comic book writer. First and foremost, I'd rather write comics than anything else. But you know, people over the years have been saying, you know, why don't you get into the prose thing? And the, and the ebook format seemed to be, well, you know, there's no real excuse not to do it to at least you know take a shot. So you know, I wrote a few um, novels about the Navy SEALs for Dynamite, and then I thought, well, why don't I create a series of my own uh, that I market by myself? Which is probably why you never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the series is uh, I've, I've written two. I'm halfway through the third. It's uh, a time travel adventure about a group of ex-army rangers who, um, in, in the first book, go back in time to rescue a scientific team who are the first team to go back in time and run into all kinds of trouble. So uh, the corporation that, that financed their project hires these ex-Army Rangers as mercenaries to go through the field, go back 100,000 years to, to prehistoric Nevada uh, to uh, rescue the science team. And, and, and what they find there, uh, something that no um, 
archaeologists or paleontologists anticipated they would find. And um, the second book places them uh, on the run from the same corporation, uh, and they've gone renegade with their time device, and they're treasure hunting in the ancient Aegean when they run into Phoenician pirates, and mm-hmm. things go badly. Mm. Wow, because the first one is called Cannibal Gold. Yes. <laughs> as I understand, which, which of course right away got my attention. Cannibal Gold. I, I, that's yeah. the whole idea of that title. <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I, personally, I personally would have to know more about a book called Cannibal Gold. That's why mm-hmm. I named it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I like that because I, I, I haven't had a chance yet to download and read it, but I'm going to be doing that. The second one is called Blood Red Tide. Yes. And so you've got interesting titles. I, I, you know, they, they, you you must come up with these titles yourself as, as far yeah. as getting these good things done. Yeah, I mean, Cannibal Gold was a title I'd always had in my head. As you know, hey, that's a movie I'd love to see. Uh, <laughs> treasure hunting and, and the risk of being eaten alive. Uh, <laughs> it's an irresistible combination. But mm-hmm. uh, but then um, uh, you know the the second one, Blood Red Tide. You know, is like. Uh, you know, harkens back to like nautical novels, which which a lot of this takes place at sea. So, mm. Mm. okay. Do you know the name for the third book yet? It's called Avenging Angels. Mm. And it's uh, I don't want to give that's that that one's got a hook. I don't want to give anything away. About okay, it, no, 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 don't, don't. don't. It's, the, it's the Army Rangers versus the Roman Legion at, at one. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, don't spoil stuff because I, how will I enjoy stuff if you give things away? I, I want to know, I want to experience it the way that you meant for it to be experienced. And so I'm always telling people, don't tell, don't spoil it. Don't give things away that we shouldn't know because we want to enjoy these things when the time comes. So now how do you access these books right now? Because my understanding it's available for Kindle. Both it's of the books and, and it's a uh, print on demand through CreateSpace on Amazon. So it's it's strictly with Amazon right now. So you can get a paperback book or you can get it downloaded to Kindle. Mm-hmm. So you would go to like to CreateSpace.com if you wanted to order a, a paper copy, or, or right off of Amazon. Just you know, put my name in. It's the first two books that comes up these days. Okay, okay. And so that's the way to do it. Now, as far as Kindle goes, uh, you just go to the same place, Amazon, and download them into your Kindle. Yeah. Okay, so both of those are available. So, uh, any chance of these going into other mediums? Or like, there's no chance of this actually turning into a comic, is there? I, I don't know about comic. I had some inquiries about the film rights. Uh, that mm. you know, but you know, you, you know how that works. It takes forever. Mm. Uh, and, and I told them, I said it doesn't have to take forever. It's simple. You just have to deal with me. I own it, lock, stock, and barrel. There's no lawyers. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing. You know, just make me an offer for God's sakes. So, <laughs> so if if this one falls through, then I'm, I'll I'll go with representation. But mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's um, the guys I've talked to were real hyped to make it, and uh, mm-hmm. they're they're household name guys, and they mm-hmm. they you know they saw what I saw in it, which is you know one hell of a summer blockbuster ending uh, mm-hmm. to the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. and you know the whole concept is—I mean, it's—it's it's idiot-proof. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my biggest worry though is when Hollywood gets a hold of stuff, the first thing they feel they have to do is change it to to resemble what they want. Right, right. And I always get scared. If you've got a great conclusion, a great story, and great—you know—all uh, this stuff going in there, are they going to go in there and say, "Nah, let's do it the way that we expect and turn it into a regular pablum Hollywood"? Like every movie coming out is going to be like that. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit about that. That's what they do. But the the uh, the guy who was most pumped to do it, I trust him. 
Uh, I trust his instincts, and, and we've been talking together for years about other stuff. So, um, I, you know, it was going to be what I put on the page. I, and what I put on the page, it's not Cormac McCarthy. It's not Shakespeare. It's, it's mm-hmm. popcorn stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, you'd, really, you'd really have to. It's, I mean, it's the literary equivalent of pizza. You'd, you'd really have to want to ruin it to ruin it. But, uh, oh. but you know, the, the guy I was talking to and the producer that he was connected with, um, they saw what it was, and I was pretty confident, you know, we'd get we'd get something pretty cool out of for for you know not a high budget so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it sounds good like good fun i would love to see it because let's face it they're making a lot of movies that are, that stink out there so to get a good story and actually make a good movie out of it that would do pretty well i think yeah and you know the hollywood math is if you can bring it in under a certain amount you're going to make money you know uh, i think the mistake they make is that they go all in on these uh, you know 300 million dollar budget movies and then when they don't perform you know, they, they, they're ruined. Uh, I think they. I wish they would make more movies at a lower budget, and then you know you're spinning the wheel. So maybe we'll get a couple of good ones in there. So you've got the first two uh, books out. Do you have any idea? You're, you said you're halfway through with book three. Do you have any idea when you're expecting that book three ready? Uh, probably end of summer, early fall. I'd say September, which would be the, mm-hmm. the first anniversary of the first one, and then I'd like to follow it with the next one. You know, the mm-hmm. beginning of uh, of 2015. So, you know, I'm doing roughly two a year. Oh, okay. So you're saying that there's going to be another story? Out? Is there going to be another? Is there another three book story that's going to start up in 2015? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll do these till the wheels come off because I, you know, time travel. <laughs> I mean, if you if you can't come up with ideas for a time travel story, I mean, there's like historical events I want to visit, and I'm trying to visit. Uh, historical events that really don't get a lot of coverage. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go back to Gettysburg or someplace mm-hmm. that we've seen a million times. Or I'm really trying to take the series to places we have that the most readers are not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the books look like they're good in their nice long lengths too. The, one, the first one's 256 pages, and the second one is 254. So you've got some good summer reading. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. for that. So actually, let's see. The second one, I may have gotten the number out. How many pages? There's uh, 326 in the second book, sorry. And to me, that's a good summer reading. Yeah, that's a good experience as far as that goes. So I encourage people, if you haven't gotten a hold of Bad Times, head out to Amazon and get these good stories because I'm going to be after them myself. I really want to be able to read it too because I enjoy your writing and those things. Are there other projects that, uh, hard to imagine, are there other projects besides all this good stuff that you're working on, Chuck? I, I, I have other things, but you know, I'm in the stages where I can't talk about it yet. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm working with okay. a foreign publisher on a superhero universe. Oh. Uh, so you know, I'm 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 keeping myself busy, and I've and I've always got a you know I've usually got a SpongeBob story coming up every once in a while with Bongo. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, stretch my portfolio a little bit, do some SpongeBob yeah. fans. That's a little different, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I like working with them, and I'm working with Chris Duffy, and I'm working right with Steve Hillenberg, the creator. So it's a lot of fun. Do you ever get asked by people if they they want to if you're going to go back to GI Joe or Batman or any of those kinds of things? I, I I would probably I'll probably have something to do with the relaunch of GI Joe. Uh, Batman is more problematic. I you know uh, I think that's over for me. I mean I was 11 years. I wrote more Batman than anybody's ever written uh, mm-hmm. at this point. So mm-hmm. I've kind of said what I had to say. I love Batman. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, mm-hmm. sure I could probably write more stories, but at this point it's not. I'm not mm-hmm. burning to do that. Okay. Okay, well, it sounds like you've got good things going besides that, so uh, I, I encourage people, be sure to get Alien Legion on Civil 
War, then number one is out. If you get to your bookstore right away, you'll be able to pick it up. And the same thing for Winter World number one. That's an ongoing. So be a, and then get to Amazon and get Bad Times by Chuck Dixon. So, Chuck, sounds like you're doing things real well. I'm looking forward to reading your stories and, uh, and always love to buy books with your names on them because I know I'm going to get something good to read. So I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you for all the kind words, and thanks for having me on. The latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another interview with a great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.